Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. Change. Here we go, yo. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to the show. This is the place we come together just to grow. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Everything you need and a little bit more. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. This is the place we come together just to grow. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Got everything you need and a little bit more. What we about living, loving, purpose. 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 What we about living. We gon' impart to you all that you need This is Conversations with Keanu B What we about Welcome to Conversations Where we have genuine conversations and talks That talk about life, love, purpose, and leadership, all from a faith-based perspective. I'm your host, Kiani B. And today, we'll be talking about the importance of maintaining your mental health. The importance of maintaining your mental health. Do you need Jesus or therapy? Let's dive in. So there have always been stigmas surrounding mental health. And when I say stigmas, I'm regarding shame, discrediting, and even being prejudged in this area. I have seen this more prevalent in the black community, but for the most part, this thing is universal. And it challenges everyone across the board within every different culture and ethnicity. Something I never quite understood, right? People will go to the doctor for everything. Some people can go to the doctor for something as small as a hangnail, depending upon what the situation and the person is, right? People will go to the doctors for headaches, for body aches, if an incident happens and they hurt themselves, definitely run to the doctor. I'm one of those people. But what I never understood was that when people experience extended prolonged periods of mental anguish and torment, sometimes to the point where they're unable to properly function and even think straight, they will refuse to go see a counselor or a therapist when the purpose of the counselor and the therapist and or is that they be healed in their mind and in their heart. It's equally as important than your physical body. I'll start with me and share why this is a passion for me. Most passions are derived from personal experiences. So I'll tell you about my own. Always talk about me first. I absolutely love counseling. I'm going to tell you that right out the gate. I love counseling. I even went to school to be a counselor myself. I'll explain to you why this is so important to me and how it can change everything. Now, as a child, I experienced molestation, sexual assault, rape, neglect, mental and emotional abuse. There were parts of my childhood that was very good, but then there were other parts that were very, very dark. To cope with these things, I did what kids did. 
you know, what normally what kids do, but you don't know how to process your pain and you don't know how to deal with those challenges that you're facing and you don't have any language for it. You know, you become self-destructive internally, innately self-destructive. I began to drink, smoke. I was wild, rowdy, always fought. I skipped school because I definitely couldn't sit in the classroom and learn. That was just too much and overwhelming for me, you know, so I didn't go to school. Um, I became a pure minister society, flat out. That's exactly what I was. I will say, though, in the midst of that, God kept me and I was able to maintain my virginity until I was 18 years old. And that was taken from me when I was actually raped by a family friend. But before those years in my teen years, I maintained for the most part my virginity. And that wasn't a particular ailment that I had to deal with in addition to all those other things I was dealing with, with this, which is normal for teenagers to deal with that part as well. In short, I was about 15 years old and I was in and out of court and I was constantly getting arrested for stealing. <laughs> I would steal anything from cigarettes and alcohol to jury, but I would also steal necessities such as socks and underwear because I practically lived on the street. I stayed at different friends' houses throughout my teen years. Nobody knew where I was. And I would literally sleep on the floor in their closet and hide. Sometimes while they went to school, sometimes they didn't. I was literally all over the place. But what was clear is I was full of anger, fear, and confusion. I remember the day, specifically, that I was at a friend's house. And by this time, I had been a runaway for some time, for some months. My family didn't know where I was. I was literally out of my mind and always high, you know, dealing with numbing of pain. And it was to the point sometimes where I didn't even recognize my own mother. I want, remember one time seeing her in the street and saying, oh, that lady is pretty. Didn't even know that was my own mom. And one of my friends had to say, you know, Kiki, that is your mother. That's just to let you know kind of where my head was at. One night at this particular friend's house, I remember all of us sitting in the living room and there was a knock at the door. And where we would normally look out the peephole, look out the window to see who it was, we didn't do that. And my friend just opened the door. And it was like the music and the record stopped. It was my mother standing in the doorway. And she said, hello, you know, I'm here for Kiani. And I looked and I saw her. And without resisting or hesitation, I got up and I walked out of the door. I got into my mother's car and we drove home and I had not been home for a while. I remember walking in the house and feeling so foreign, you know, and my sister and brothers, they were very small. They came and run and jumped on me, you know, saying my name over and over because they missed me. They had not seen me in so long. And I really, really, really missed them too. My siblings mean a whole lot to me. I remember going into the restroom downstairs and it seemed like everything happened so quickly. As soon as I came out the restroom, there was a small uh, female cop standing in the hallway and she caught me by surprise. You know, she um, told me to come and step all the way into the foyer area outside of the small hallway where the bathroom was. And she was arresting me. Um, I remember not being sober enough to really understand what was going on. But I do remember her asking me, do I have to handcuff you? Although she tried to restrain me. I said, no, ma'am, you don't. And so I willfully walked out of the house and went and climbed into the back of a police car, not even able to think straight. And I remember my mother being devastated by this, but she did call 
the police on me. That night, I went to what they call kind of like a kitty jail. I went to a place where they do the bookends to admit me. Then I went to a place where it was the middle of the night and I was in a room full of girls. I just remember a bunch of bump beds and there was no bed for me. So they gave me a mattress to sit on the floor and it was the middle of the night. And I remember God's grace sovereignly kept me because what I found out the next morning, a few hours later was that some of those girls planned to uh, jump me in the middle of the night and that wind up not being successful because a small still voice told me to move my mat <laughs> to a certain part of the room that was away from everyone. It was very interesting. I wind up being there in that somewhat of a kitty jail where I was on extreme lockdown, um, told when to eat, you know, when to get dressed and that type of thing, not able to go outside and or see my family. I was in that place for a few months and I remember going through burnout in my body and going through burnout in my mind because I wasn't on drugs anymore, but I was finally able to think clearly and to see things clearly for the first time in so long. I remember it being almost feeling like a blessing and a curse. And I remember one of the counselors there was a woman that would sneak into my room in the middle of the night and pray over me. Although that was something that wasn't allowed, that is something that she would definitely do. Come in and pray over me. Eventually, I was released to go home, but my home life was not very stable. And my home life was um, very, I want to say, it was still discombobulated. There were issues and things that had never been addressed. And at the time, the abuse that I experienced was not believed at that time. Eventually it was, but at the time it wasn't. Making home life for me, very scary and overwhelming. I definitely did not want to go back there. And I had a probation officer that saw so much potential in me. She didn't want me to go back there either. I remember that the whole state, the beds were closed in every group home and they sent me home. But hours later, it seemed like to be almost maybe two to three hours later, my probation officer that dropped me off actually came back to pick me up and said, I don't know what happened, but miraculously a bed has opened up. A bed has opened up. I remember one was hours away and one was local. And before I knew it, I was packing a bag heading to a group home where I had no idea that I would receive so much restoration and rehabilitation in that place. As part of group home treatment, I had to go to counseling. This was my first time I was confronted with counseling. I had to go to counseling around the clock. I went to counseling three times a week. Can you get that? Three times a week. I went to individual counseling with just me and my counselor. I went to group counseling with my peers, which was very effective because you get to hear insight, perspectives, and thought processes of other peers that had some experience worse than me, some experience not so bad. And we kind of almost sparred off each other with intelligence and growing and cultivation. Then I had family therapy as well, where my mother would come once a week and we would meet with that same counselor. So I had therapy around the clock and it really built my ability to relate to people and it really helped me out. 
I knew that when I got older, when I was there younger, that I wanted to help people and I wanted to be the difference that I saw those men and women be to me and in the group home. And even when I was locked up, I really wanted to be a person that these kids remembered and still till today. In this day and age, in my 39 years, I'll never forget each and one, each and every one of those men and women that really poured into me and genuinely cared and loved me. I'm grateful that they actually cared about their job and they actually cared about the health and welfare of the kids that they committed to. It was when I left the group home that I realized how blessed that I was and how counseling played a pivotal role in my development. You know, I grew to love it from there and grew a love and affection for counselors all the way to the point to where I wanted to become one. (laughs) So I've always loved business. You know, now I'm in my young adulthood. I've always loved business Um, and business was my major in college. I remember when the Lord told me to change my major to psychology and Christian counseling. And I did just that. It caused me to be a little delayed in receiving my bachelor's degree, but it was all worth it each and every bit of it was all worth it I began to pursue what I felt was my purpose and begin to align myself with what God had placed in me to be destiny and positioned me for as an adult I believe in therapy and I still attend (laughs) counseling sessions regularly why because life happens okay life comes each and every day And I believe that counseling, a.k.a. therapy, is a form of mental and soul maintenance. You know, we drive and we have cars. If you're going to take your car to get an oil change quarterly to make sure it runs the way it's supposed to run, why wouldn't you make sure that your soul and your mind runs properly by getting it maintenance and have someone kind of walk you through situations and circumstances? Now, recently, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine and... It was a really good conversation. I'm just going to share it. And if my friend hears this, you know who you are. And I thank you so much for the wisdom that we shared in this conversation that we recently had. So my friend was considering counseling and he had experienced a community where he felt loved and adored to the point to where he felt like, you know what, those things that once challenged me and hurt me, they don't hurt anymore. You ever had that situation? You know how the doctor comes and puts their hand on a certain place of your body and say, hey, does that hurt? Does this hurt here? Does this hurt here? And I understood what he meant because he said that he had got to a point. So where now he can share and talk about his story and the things he experienced of his past. And it does not hurt anymore. I know that feeling and I know it well. You know, the time where every time you told the story, you would get choked up and you would cry. But the day you received victory, when you were able to talk about the story, share the story with all these details, no matter how gruesome and be totally okay, not one tear in sight. I remember that. So when he said that, it made me think and God began to speak to me. And what he said was, it doesn't hurt anymore. I think I'm okay. I think the love and cultivation of friends that I've had to be able to talk to and grow with has really healed me. And I don't think I need counseling anymore. It made me ask him, what do you think counseling is exactly? What, what in your perspective? I don't believe there's a right or wrong. I just want to know what your perspective is of counseling. And he shared with me that counseling is the thing that helps people process pain. That helps people process pain. And he said, basically, because I'm not in pain anymore, 
I don't need help processing it. Clearly, I've done that. And I thought that was amazing. And it's right. But there's more to that story. Counseling doesn't just help you to process pain. It gives you language for where you're going as well. It helps to realign your thought processes, the way you think, how you respond and how you react, your behaviors. It helps align that with your future and it allows you to attack the default thinking mechanisms that are put in place when you endured what you endured. See, strongholds form when you experience trauma. Strongholds form. What is trauma? Trauma is an emotional, mental, even a physical injury or upset that severely impacts your emotions. I'll say that again. Trauma is an emotional upset. It's mental and or physical injury to your heart, to your mind. It severely impacts your emotions. Okay. This can vary from person to person and from situation to situation. It could be something as little as you falling off your bike to a severe car accident that you lived and was able to walk away from, right? Trauma. It puts you in a place, if you don't properly digest that, of always trying to guard yourself. Because what's the thought? You're going to protect yourself from this happening again. Self-preservation. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But counseling helps with the whole process. From the beginning to the end, I almost say it like somebody is hand holding you walking across the street. They're just holding your hand till you get across the street because it might be challenging, right? And different situations can spark a need for counseling. Counseling is not forever. It's for a time period, you know, time frame could be a few months, could be a year, could be a few years, but whatever it is, it gets you safely to your destination, that's why counselors and therapists and coaches and mentors are intercessors. They build a bridge to get you safely from one place to the next, safely from where you are in your circumstance to the Lord, I believe, building a bridge for you to get safely to God. Some of the reasons or some of the, you know, the things that you may need therapy for, things such as this, being laid off your job that you worked for many years, being hired um, to a job that you know, you're newly working, you haven't worked for 20 years. It could be adoption, um, adding a new baby to the family. It could be, God forbid, losing a baby in that family. It could be a new blended home where a mom and a dad already had kids and they married and they blended a family. It could be the new marriage and or it could be divorce. It could be death or loss, which is grief counseling. It can be you dealing with, you know, depressive moods or trying to process things that have happened before. It could be you just trying to walk away unscathed because you've dealt with abuse and traumatic experiences. All of those things merit you to be able to go to talk to someone to help you walk through that situation. Counseling. So I feel that the other part of counseling that me and my friend discussed that was so important that God shared as revelation was that your thought systems, how you think, what you default as a safe place and your perspective, because oftentimes we will pick up different perspectives and behaviors, being that we've had to kind of muscle our way through life and kind of self heal ourselves by walking through it on our own. And we teach ourselves how to function. That does not mean that every characteristic that you've picked up in all of your behaviors are pleasing to the Lord. 
It doesn't mean that. It means that God's grace is sufficient. And you always want to ask the Lord, anything that's not pleasing to you, God, I want you to take this thing away from me because ultimately, if it's not pleasing you, it's going to hinder me somewhere in my future. Okay, so what's the big question that started this discussion and this particular conversation today in this show is, do you need Jesus or therapy? I'm going to say, yes, you need both. You need both. Now, mental health professionals are essential doctors. They are needed and they should be honored, respected and appreciated. God has graced them with compassion, with understanding, with wisdom to help you succeed and overcome life's obstacles and traumatic events. And my own personal definition of a counselor is that they are men and women that hold your hand through a circumstance, through a season, a situation. It is not forever, but like I said, during that process, they're needed and they can really be a great, great benefit. Now, we can go to church and respond to an altar call, right? Where we experience the power of God and we receive healing and breakthrough in our lives in that very moment. In that very moment. It's an amazing thing. I myself believe in deliverance. I myself am a deliverance worker and I'm an altar worker. I believe in the power of, of the word of God, the power of the men and women exercising the authority of Christ to unlock cages and yank people out of situations and circumstances. The sovereignty and the grace of God needing us at the altar, breaking chains off of people's minds and hearts and, and setting them free. Altar moments have changed my life. It allowed me to be imparted to and someone to love me and tarry with me through a struggling moment. So major deliverance happens at altars. The war against the enemies of your soul. I believe in deliverance. Holy Spirit wins that battle. And you go from being on the bottom of your situation to the top of your situation at an altar moment in a deliverance session. The areas where Satan had the upper hand, he no longer has it because the roles are flipped when you encounter Holy Spirit at that altar. Every deliverance moment should have a follow up, though. Because your soul is being addressed and this encompasses your appetite, your emotions, even your memory recall. But your humanity now needs to come into alignment with what just took place at that altar. You have to now know how to live free. How to live free. Now that that thing is addressed, now that you have the upper hand over that thing. Now you have to learn how to live with it gone. Learning how to live without an ailment, making sure that you're not triggered, have flashbacks, develop a strategy of new ways to act in the absence of that foe and ailment of your life. For instance, right, I have seen to where God has supernaturally healed someone that used to be in a wheelchair and they weren't able to walk for years. And when God healed them and they were able to walk, they heard the Lord say, stand up out of that chair. But because the muscles in their legs had not been used, they did not know how to use the muscles in their legs. They did not know how to live from that point. You understand what I mean? You have to learn how to live free and even that memory recall as well, because we want to confront 
old thoughts and we want to confront almost what seems to be old nightmares by the truth of God's word. And the only way those things are attacked is by direct confrontation of the thing. So counseling helps with that. Okay. This can be physical and or mental healing and capacity. Either way, a new normal of how to live without a thing is something that is worthy to be walked through. And it's okay to have help in this area, aka have someone hold your hand through it. Nothing wrong with that. Now I have somewhat of an analogy that the Lord gave me with a brother that I have. And it's my youngest brother, actually, very special to me. My youngest brother, um, very manly, <laughs> very macho man, loves and supports me. He does. My baby. And... One day he said to me, Key, I love and respect everything that you do as he's watching me in the community try to be a voice of encouragement and impact people's thought processes with God's word and counsel and coach. He said one time, um, I don't believe in counseling. I don't really think it's a need for it. That was the nicest way he could possibly say it. <laughs> I don't think it's a need for it. And because I understood him. I was thinking of a way to share it with him to give him wisdom and not turn him off, but make him intrigued. So this particular brother's into health and wellness, almost like AKA a fitness junkie. So God gave me language he would understand. Now, this is the truth. Years ago in 2012, I had a knee surgery. I had an endoscopy on my right knee. And they said that my knee didn't have cartilage, which was causing swelling. But when they went in, they saw that my kneecap was actually some inches out of the way of where it was supposed to be. It was out of alignment, out of place. And so they went in, they moved my kneecap to the proper place. And they also poked holes in my kneecap to give me healthy, quote unquote, cartilage. My brother was aware of all of this and he knew. And I told him that, you know, I had the knee surgery, but then I had to go to physical therapy to strengthen that knee for about nine months after the fact. So I made that situation synonymous to Jesus and therapy. I said that when I had my knee surgery, right, I set myself up to go to surgery and surgery was drastic. They had to cut me open, put me to sleep. I remember being scared. But surgery would be synonymous of the altar moment, of deliverance, the altar moment. But then after that, after surgery, I had to go to physical therapy and physical therapy would be synonymous of counseling. So even though the problem with my knee was fixed, AKA surgery, right? I still then had to learn how to use the knee in a way where I wasn't in pain anymore. I had to re-strengthen it. It even was painful in the beginning. Look at that. I had to strengthen it and build strength in it to use it properly so I can do things like run and walk for extended periods of times and even wear heels. So you see, it was needed, both of it, surgery and physical therapy. Jesus and counseling. Okay. I want to say something and throw this in here. And I was kind of skeptical if I wanted to say it or not, but it might help somebody. I want to say that it's okay that if you go to counseling and they say that you temporarily need medication to help settle your mind, because you may deal with some things such as anxiety, that it's okay. I'm a believer. I love the Lord. I know the power of the blood and I know the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, that it's okay 
that temporarily, if you need help to think, to concentrate and to focus and need medication for a time, if you're extremely depressive and cannot feel like you can fight your way out of that thing, then you can temporarily take that medicine and allow the grace of God to come in so you can build up enough strength mentally to be able to fight that thing. Okay. Just telling you that. Coaches, mentors, counselors, all of them very beneficial and all needed. Okay. There may be sometimes where you even have all three at once a counselor, a coach, and a mentor. That would be amazing. And that is perfectly fine because they all do something different. Okay. They all do something different. A counselor goes into your past. Um, and tries to build you up to give you understanding and clarity of where you are today and why you're here. They also can provide, you know, strategies to help you from this point of how to deal with those things should they ever return. If you ever have to face them again, a mentor is someone that is going to directly pour into you everything they got. So usually when you have a mentor, they specifically have a, a character trait or quality that you want because it's something in them that you want. So you begin to learn and glean from them. And then you have a coach um, and I'm all three. And what I do most in um, this particular area is coaching, but coaching, what we do is we evaluate, determine where you are, where you wanna go and give you a strategy and a successful plan to accomplish that and get there. All different, all needed, all important. So when do you need a counselor? When you need a professional to assist you to hold your hand through a process or season that is overwhelming you. If you experience and feel that life has knocked the wind out of you and you're having a hard time catching your breath literally, okay? And you've been in this place for a long period of time. This thing is excessive. You wake up with it, you go to bed with it, like a wet blanket on your back. You may need counseling. Counselors provide healthy ways to cope with pain and disappointment. So utilize them. Now I know that the motto has been for many of us in different cultures and different ethnicities, we say, oh, we good, we got it. We know how to deal with it. <laughs> we'll work it out, it'll be okay. And what we have done is we have become functionally depressed. Sometimes depression can make it so that people can't function at all, but some, like myself, that have a very strong wit, will, and determination have learned how to function under extreme measures of pressure, extreme measures of pressure, and have been weary, heavy, burdensome, and still get up and go to work every day, go to school every day, take care of our kids every day, go to church every week, and just know how to smile. Why delay the healing process? If you don't need to, I charge you to be healthy and whole because the truth of this thing is that when you have a hard time admitting where you are, the root of this is pride. Pride does a posture of self-preserving, self-sufficiency, self-medicating, self-diagnosis, all in efforts of self-protection. And that root of pride encompasses some components in your life where you were very fearful. You just probably didn't even know it because it was probably masked in anger and rage. There are many things I could say about pride. And I know sometime in the future, I will do a show specifically solely on this topic. But for now, I will just sum it up to say pride is a form of a defense mechanism. When we go to God and humble ourselves, humble ourselves, he honors that humility. 
One of my favorite scriptures is James 4 and 10, where it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Literally saying that humiliation, aka humility, brings and breeds exaltation. The Amplified Version says, humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride ends in humiliation. Pride ends in humiliation. While humility, it brings honor. It brings honor. Now, there's some benefits to counseling and we're almost done. I would say some of the major benefits of counseling is maximizing your potential, enhancing the quality of your life, allows you to be pure and genuine to help those that may be stuck in or have become what you have and in the same situations you were in. Getting counseling is a selfless act because it means you're not selfish. You can't bring others out of what you have not come out of, right? And let what you have endured not be in vain by bringing someone else out. Go back and get your sister and your brother. One of the major benefits of counseling is that it makes your relationships and how you relate to people and circumstances so much better, so much better. It is almost selfish, not almost, it is selfish when you know you are struggling and you know you are dealing with certain things and you allow people to suffer this around you. It is so selfish. Oh my goodness. Because now everyone has to adapt and adjust to your personality that is really expressing pain all the time and you don't even realize it. Counseling confronts strongholds that literally bookmark your soul and attacks ways of thinking and thought processes that affect how you see the world and everyone and anyone around you. I pray that this has blessed you in some way, feel free to share this out with anyone that you think that it could benefit or that it could help. I want to close out today's show with some encouragement. So for those of you that are brave enough to seek out help via a coach, a mentor or therapist, know that I am so proud of you. And the Lord is proud of you. Also, I am praying for you. Okay. To my fellow counselors, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, coaches, and mentors. Those of you that submit your lives for the bettering and the betterment helping of others to succeed and to be whole, you are indeed appreciated, needed, and the Lord told me specifically to let you guys know that you got next. The Lord wanted me to tell you that while the world is in crisis, and dealing with pain in the most intimate way that you guys are needed to bring healing and change to aid those that are in distress and helping others guys remember to be mindful to seek out help for yourself it's important for you to properly take care of yourself as well as you do your due diligence to assist and aid others this has been great for me. I thank you guys so much for tuning in and look forward to talking to you next time. If by chance you guys need resources and you're like, I don't know where to go and where to turn, please leave 
a message in the comments and I'll do my best to get you the best resources that I can get you. Or you can send me a direct contact form at kianibryan.com. That's K-I-Y-A-N-N-I-B-R-Y-A-N.com. Until next time, see you soon. Yeah. Oh.